love what the Lord is doing in our young people and Ruth is a testimony and uh, amazing, carrying amazing gifting and anointing, not just in the area of prayer. Ruth is our firebrand as well. So Ruth, you've got liberty to encourage us and stir us and share with us. Amen. So I'm just going to open up in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are today, God. We want to know what's on your heart today, Father. It's a joy and a privilege to partner with your will in intercession to further the kingdom, Father. And so I just pray that you would reveal yourself, Father, that even as I'm saying these words, God, that your spirit would be alive and that your word would run swiftly and be glorified in every heart, God, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom revelation, that you would cause hearts to burn more and more for you, Jesus. Amen. And so I'm just going to start by, um, if you want to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 56, um, the end of verse 7. Um, and so the, the, it's been a, a total journey for me, um, just with the Lord walking through what prayer actually looks like. And so I've been wrestling with this scripture, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so, as some of you know, um, I'm currently studying at the International House of Prayer University, House of Prayer. And so, it struck me when I first got there, I'm like, I can't leave after four years of university and still not know how to pray, still not know what prayer looks like and get a grasp of the reality of prayer. And so, the Lord began to just open my mind to how he views prayer. And one of the things that he has been showing me is how mercy is entwined throughout his history line through prayer. He took me through the whole of the Old Testament and he started to open up and show me. He went to Abraham and it's um, Genesis 19 when he talks about, um, it's the part where um, uh, it's uh, God's about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah and um, he tells Abraham what he's going to do. He tells Abraham his plan. And so it actually allows Abraham to go and start interceding for the righteous and for his um, nephew, I think, Lot. And so right in the beginning, the Lord opens up in intercession and is like, I want my people to partner with me in bringing about my plans and purposes. And so Abraham's like, if there's 45 righteous, would you save them? The Lord's like, yeah. And so he's going down. It's like, if there's 35, if there's 20. And I think he gets down to, if there's 10 righteous, will you save the city? And they can't even find 10 righteous. But yet, because of Abraham's prayer and perseverance and trusting God, because of God's mercy, Lot and his family still get saved. And there's countless like times like David, um, Moses, Jesus, all the way through the storyline. And it gripped me. I was like, it's not just Jesus who was the high priest. It was God the Father who had a burning heart for prayer right in the beginning of the beginning. Like, when he first found a friend on the earth with Abraham, that was when he was like, this is when prayer is going to be established. It's about a friendship. It's about a partnership. And so in the whole wrestle of the house of prayer, I've been like, God, where is my place in this? I don't feel like I'm called to the four walls of a prayer room. I feel like I'm called to go out. But yeah, I was like, but prayer is still so important. And so the Lord was teaching me that it's about having a prayer as a foundation. It's about um, being in a place of prayer and then going out. Prayer is the launching pad from which we then get thrust off into what the plans and purposes the Lord has for us. And so um, 
I was really struck by this, especially when I uh, had the privilege of going to Atlanta. So just a bit of a background on that. Um, in April this year, they um, sent out from the university seven teams of 50 students to seven different locations all across America to preach the gospel, to partner with different ministries, churches, houses of prayer, to see the name of Jesus lifted high and exalted. And so it was amazing. I got the opportunity to go to Atlanta, a 22-hour drive, best, best and longest road trip of my life. And so um, we, one of the main thrusts was evangelism. And so we got to go on this college campus um, and just as I was arriving, the door of the minibus opened, and I just looked out, and I just, the scripture came alive like never before about the harvest field being plentiful. And so I'm just going to read that scripture. It's Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease, every sickness among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers until the harvest. And so I'm here, and I see this massive area of grass, buildings all around me, students everywhere, and the Lord just dropped into my spirit, the harvest is plentiful. Like, I just knew that the Lord was moving, the Lord was stirring hearts before we'd even got there. And it struck me, the house of prayer that is there has been investing into that campus, praying for that campus, which is just down the road, every week consistently for, I think, nine years, which is how long they've been 24-7. And so not only are they praying for that campus every week, they're actually going out once a week, whether it's one or 20 people to evangelize. But it was like, the Lord was like, the fruit's right for the plucking. Like, it was, it was fertile ground. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, this is going to be so hard. It's so stony. But I actually felt in my spirit like the Lord was moving. The Lord was stirring hearts. The Lord was shifting things. And so that actually raised expectation within me because I was like, I don't know how to do evangelism, God. I'm a chicken. Like, I don't know what, what to say, how to move. But yet, like, there was just something that was going on in the spirit where I knew that he was going to be glorified, whether I knew what I was saying or not. And so um, one story was um, three of us um, ended up talking to these two Muslim girls. And at first it was a battle because it was all about head knowledge and they had a lot of questions and some of them we just didn't have answers for. But then we just had this urge um, we didn't communicate, well, we kind of communicated with our eyes, but we felt that we should prophesy over them. And so one girl um, who came just slightly afterwards, didn't hear the whole story, came and started prophesying over the older one, because they were sisters, and just started saying, I feel like you're a seeker of truth. I feel like you're asking all these questions that you want to find truth. And she was like taken back. She was like, how do you know that? But she was still trying to like stand her ground, like, no, I, I have my firm beliefs, but she was certainly like moved by what was saying. And then I got a word for the younger sister that she has creativity in her hands and that the Lord really wanted to just work with her hands and loves her creativity. But it was all with making things and stuff. And she started to tear up. 
And I was like, Lord, you're moving. And so it was amazing just to see how open they became. So we started continuing to talk to them and just to see the love of God. Because it's really, it's about, they have to get revelation to their heart about Jesus. Because the mind can't comprehend it. Like, his ways are higher than ours. And so it needs to get to the place of the heart being open to what the Lord is doing. Um, And so we got there, we exchanged phone numbers and stuff. And so, but we walked away knowing that a seed was planted. The key is that sometimes we think everything is going to happen like that. But it really is, the Lord was teaching me, it's his timing. I think someone said, don't quote me, but I think it's, it takes someone, I think it's been 10 and 20 times of them hearing the gospel for them actually to get saved. So you don't know, you could be seed number six, that someone gets saved at seed number 10. So you don't know, like Jenny said earlier, where someone is in their journey. And so you could be planting something that could grow into a a tree, a fruit years later. So never walk away thinking that you've missed an opportunity. No one is a lost cause. No one is a lost is lost completely. Lord, the Lord knows everyone's name. The Lord knows everyone's destiny and everyone's future. And so I just want to encourage you that no one is a lost case with the Lord. So keep planting those seeds. Keep stepping out in faith. And knowing that even if you feel like it went wrong, sometimes your feelings don't tell you everything. And that the Lord is still moving. And so we were also encouraged to... Um, going um, to pray before we even got there. And so just certain phrases that really helped me to know how to pray for where I was going was it is about preparing where you're going ahead of you. And so phrases like, Lord, would you soften their hearts? Lord, would you pierce their hearts with your truth? Would you prepare a way? Would you stir up the fallow ground? Um, Would Jesus receive the reward of his suffering? Would you cause the spirit of repentance to spring up the spirit of conviction? It's, it's like when you're at the analogy of when you're in a dark room, you can't get rid of the darkness by getting a bucket of darkness and throw it out of the window. The only way you get rid of darkness is if you put the light on. And so the Lord was showing me that it's about a place of um, just gentleness and tenderness. It's about a place of connecting with his heart and his emotions. Because... I, I really just gained a love of people that week. 50 people on a trip is not easy to negotiate and sort out. But yeah, I cannot say one bad thing about any single person on that trip. The Lord gave me such a heart for them. And he, he gave me that it's, he showed me that it takes such humility even to love. Because we were in, um, at the end of the week, we did um, a regional one thing conference. So just over two days. And uh, I was in the prophecy room team, and uh, it was three of us in each team, and we're prophesying to groups of six people, one after the other after the other, for two and a half hours. I was emotionally drained, physically exhausted. I, was, I had nothing left to give by the last half hour. My, my friends were like, why are we doing this? But yeah, I knew that in my weakest moment, when I had nothing else to say, that Lord was still moving hearts, the Lord was still touching, the Lord was still speaking destiny and causing hope to arise. And I knew in that moment that if I wanted to move further in my walk with Jesus, I had to know how we felt about other people. I had to be gripped with the revelation that Jesus has a desire in his heart that everyone should be saved, that everyone, he wants to bless every single person, he wants to save every single person, and he wants to heal, deliver, and set free. 
And I was like, Jesus, do I really believe that your blood is enough? Do I really believe that the desire in your eyes is enough to cause someone to come to salvation? And I was like, God, help my unbelief. Like, you have the fire, you have that desire that everyone should be with you where you are. In John 17, 24, Father, I desire that those that you've given me may be with me where I am. And it's, it's so interesting how the word works because it's that same desire that David had in Psalm 27, 4. One thing of I desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It's like David's from man's perspective and Jesus is from God's perspective, both wanting the desire to be together. It's that partnership, wanting to be together and beloved and bridegroom. And oh, it just, I was like, wow, it's a journey. It's a partnership. And so as I was continuing to speak to the Lord, he, he showed me that where the partnership goes with the fellowshipping of the Holy Spirit, it's our responsibility to be obedient, to go out and to preach the word, to give life, to show love. But it's the Lord's responsibility to move on hearts. It's the Lord's responsibility to cause his presence to be felt and for the spirit of conviction to come and repentance for salvation to spring up. And so we can't do his job, but equally we have to do our own job. We can't just say, Lord, you do it all, you do it all. We actually have to get out and do it ourselves. We have to be obedient, keep the gospel as clear as clear. And I even found in my own life that I needed to actually brush up and bring clarity to what the gospel message actually was. There's been so many elements, it's been washed down in so many different ways, that I actually, it hit me, I was like, I need to be really clear about what the good news actually is. About what, because there's so many outside voices, there's so many different interpretations, and so I just encourage you to really, even in your own life, get really crystal, crystal clear about what the gospel message actually is. And so... Um, particularly about just, um, yeah, just going out and being obedient and doing what the Lord um, shows you to. I'm just moving on to my next story. So we were in downtown Atlanta, and just this was the whole group, so the whole of 50 students in downtown Atlanta, and we all got um, little day passes to ride the tube back and forth, got off at different points, and I was with two others, and uh, we just got off and tried to you know see what we're doing we kind of got off a bit out of town so there wasn't anything and we had kind of a a weird connection with this one guy and so we were feeling kind of a bit you know like oh dear a bit afraid and disencouraged and so we get back on the subway and so we think well, let's go more into town now we're just about to get off the subway my friend turns around it's like the words left his mouth before he could catch them. And he just said, does anyone need prayer for healing? And me and my other friend look at each other like, what is he doing? We're about to get off. <laughs> and then like there's a lady behind who's like, yeah, I believe in that stuff too, amen. And then the guy behind her is like, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. And so instantly my friend rushes to him and he's like, oh, can, can I talk with you for a second? And so he's just like, sure. So me and my other friend are like, I guess we're not getting off right now. So we get back on the subway and during that time we get to talk to these other two ladies and we get to pray for this one lady who had a leg in a cast and she said that she felt less pain and another lady was just talking to her about Jesus. So anyway, a few stops later, she then, uh, our friend, he then tells us, oh, we're going to get off. And so we get off with the guy that he was talking to. 
And he's hungry. His eyes have completely changed countenance. And I just knew that I knew in the moment that we couldn't leave him until he knew Jesus as his savior. And I've never felt that before. I was like, okay, Lord, what's it going to take? You know, and so he's still wrestling. He has a lot of questions. And so we start to prophesy to him key, accurate, like words. My friend gets a word of knowledge about him having a love for baseball. She just saw this baseball bat and we like loads of stuff about his family came up and he just, he was like looking around like, are you, are you for real? Are you stitching me up? Like, where are my friends? And he just couldn't comprehend it. And so then we were like, well, do you know how to pray? And his whole thing was that he'd been told so many lies proclaimed over him by his family that he wasn't good enough, that he could never be, that he was a failure, and he believed it. He believed he was destined for hell and he was okay with it. And so he didn't believe that Jesus even heard his voice, even heard his prayer. And so we just had to break that, you know, cycle that bond gently to him and we just kept proclaiming truth, you know, like, you are a sinner right now, but Jesus can come and wash your sins away. And so we had to take him through this cycle. And my friend did an analogy of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied, sins, cheated? Oh, so therefore, you know, the righteous judge should truly condemn you. And Jesus is, you know, the judge. However, Jesus came so that you don't have to be condemned to hell. And so we just went around and we each just showed him how to pray like, Lord, thank you for this day. Bless us. Thank you for me. It's like simple stuff. And so then we said, okay, it's your turn. And so then he starts praying. And it's like he really knew how to pray. He basically repented of all of his sins right then, right there. And then like confessed that he wanted to know Jesus. It wasn't a repeat after me kind of thing. It was an encounter moment where the words just came. And so then we were like, you just got saved. That's awesome. True American style. And so we were, we were like, wait a minute. We're actually going to a church next. Do you want to come with us? And so we was like, okay then. So we hopped back on the subway and went to where we were supposed to. We were already a bit late. And we were like, they'll, they'll let us off. We, we just got someone saved. And uh, But when we got back, everyone was looking at us like, who is this person? I'm like, well, we just met him, but he's just met Jesus. So I think it's okay. So I think it was awesome that he met three strangers and then came along with us. But so we got him connected to a local church. He met the local pastor. And then he was there to hear all the other testimonies of all the other groups that um, was going on in, in the debrief. And so it was just such a, an amazing moment for me where... It was, it was teamwork, like the dynamics of having my two other like, fellow um, teammates just going along with it. It was a group effort, and it was so amazing to just share in that journey. And so that's an encouragement that the Lord does move, the Lord does have hope, and that when you begin to step out and partner with him, the Holy Spirit will, will move hearts. Yeah, and so I was also struck recently about our relationship with God, how that really affects our prayer life. Because we have to have a good understanding of how he feels about us. Because if we don't, then we won't think that he is um, listening. We won't feel like our prayers are valid. We won't understand that the true importance of prayer and if we don't know um, who he really is either 
um, then we also won't see the value and the importance of prayer. And we won't even see why, you know, Jesus calls us to pray. So how he feels about us and knowing how, who he is and understanding who he is are truly important. And then, like I said before, having uh, um, a divine revelation of how Jesus feels about us is um, of high importance. And at the beginning of the semester, um, one of my leaders encouraged me to write one thing down like negative thing that I wanted the Lord to deal with and I wrote down worry because I do get worried quite on a regular basis and he showed me and I've only just like realized the other day that the opposite to worry is trust and so the more you pray the more you lean on him whether the words that you're praying in the moment you believe or not but just the more continuous you do it you actually are shown his gentle leadership And so now I can honestly say that I trust him through the highs and the lows of life, that his perfect leadership has been divinely orchestrated. And I have to say, it's probably down to the fact that I've been praying more than I ever have before because I've leaned into the one who hears my prayers and I've come to the understanding that he hears my prayers. And so no matter what comes, I know that he's still good. And so the worry has left because the opposite of worry is trust. And so I just encourage you that if you're going through a similar like struggle or that you, you don't know what prayer is all about, just keep doing it, keep saying yes, find words in the scripture that you like, even you just like the phrase of, and just begin to speak them out because consistency is key and consistency will actually open up the door and you'll actually become more familiar with your savior who actually is love and is trust. And those are the negative things will just slowly disappear. So, yeah, in closing, I just want us to just come before the Lord and to examine our own hearts and examine where we are and what we're supposed to um, respond to. So, Jesus, I just thank you that you're the great shepherd, God. You're the one who is with us from beginning to end. Your faithfulness is true. God, I just ask right now, Father, that you would reveal, God, Father, if there's any areas that you want dealing with, Holy Spirit, would you come and just show us right now, God, with your gentleness, with your tender heart, God. Father, I'm even asking that you would cause hope to arise, Father, that worry and fear would fall to the ground because of the man, Jesus, who is love. God, I'm asking that as these people go out, God, that they'd be filled with boldness and expectancy, God. Father, that you would give them a zeal to pray like they've never prayed before. Father, that they would partner with your heart, Jesus. Father, partner with your will, that we would feel your emotions. We would feel what you are thinking and feeling about each and every single person that's talked to, God. Each and every single family that is spoken to, God, I'm asking Jesus, that your word would run swiftly and pierce hearts, God, that your truth would prevail, God, that you would cause justice and righteousness to be established, Jesus. We love you. You're worthy. You're the great high priest, God, and we say that we long to make intercession with you. It's a privilege to be able to be in a place of prayer. We thank you for the testimonies, God, and we ask for more, that they would glorify your name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.